It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am a man who is uh, very blessed because I have the privilege to be involved in radio ministry, something that I love. And I appreciate the fact that you tune in on Sunday mornings to listen to this show that I say is about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well, a church, a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of things that's uh, involved in that. And of course, uh, the church is made up of people. And people who, I believe, have a desire to have a relationship with the true and the living God. We have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. Show number 1,124 today. <laughs> it's a lot of talking over a lot of years, but it's such a privilege. And uh, this is the Memorial Day weekend. And uh, well, to me, it's a little different than the other times that we take to commemorate uh, veterans and uh, people who have served. Uh, of course, we have the 4th of July where we just celebrate the uh, Day of Independence, but we realize that it takes the military to help us to keep our freedom. And of course, then Veterans Day, and I try to commemorate all of them here on the show. But of course, the Memorial Day is a little different because we honor those who did not come home. And uh, it's a somber time. Now, I was telling somebody the other day, when I was growing up back in Kentucky, we didn't call it Memorial Day. We called it Decoration Day. And uh, it was a big deal back in those days. I remember going to uh, several cemeteries on any uh, given Memorial Day or, or Decoration Day, and we'd go there. And a lot of times the uh, cemeteries were at churches and uh There'd be a lot of people there, people that we knew, people who were uh, family members, and there'd be wagons there full of food, and people would come and just make a day of it. And of course, they would be there to commemorate uh, loved ones. But uh, of course, we have the emphasis upon those who served in the military and uh, gave their life as the ultimate sacrifice that this country could be free. And uh, it's interesting to me also, this is another conversation that I had with someone, thinking about how many of us actually know people who have died in uh, the military. And actually, when you begin to think about it, it's really not very many. And then you begin to think about the number of people who have actually served in the military. And my understanding, it's only about 2% of the population. So actually a very small number 
of people who would make up veterans. And so when you begin to think about it that way, it even gives it even more emphasis of a huge uh, thought of appreciation to those who sacrifice and serve. And so I want to say to you, if you are a veteran out there in radio land and you served in the uh, military in some capacity, then I want to say how much I appreciate you. Thank you for your service, and thank you for what you did. And uh, I had this conversation with a fellow shipmate. I was uh, in the United States Navy, served on the USS Lexington out of Pensacola. I never went to war, and uh, I don't regret that at all. But uh, I'm like most people who signed up. I had no idea what they were going to do with me. When I went in, and I could have very easily have found myself in a uh, combat situation, but I did not. And so I served uh, in the, uh, the Pensacola or the Pensacola area, of course, above the ship. And uh, I had a occasion over at the uh, VA here in, in Tallahassee. There's a, a nice gentleman over there that he sells uh hats and t-shirts and different things for for us veterans and uh always uh if i've got time when i go to the to the uh, va clinic i'll take a little time i'll go there just see what he's got and see if he's got anything new and uh i noticed one day that he had a hat there and it said uh, uss lexington cva 16 and uh Looked at that, and I said, well, that's that's good. But when I was on the Lexington, it was not a CVA. It was a CVT. And so I told him, I said, uh, I'd buy that hat, but I wouldn't wear it because I'd never served on the Lexington when it was a CVA. And you may be saying, what is all that about? It's T, designation trainer. We were a training carrier at that time. Later, after the Vietnam War was over, they uh, changed it to an auxiliary. And I don't know exactly what the auxiliary part was. Uh, Maybe the uh, mission changed somewhat. So anyway, I uh, asked him, I said, well, can you get me a hat that says USS Lexington CVT-16? And he said, well, we, we can try and so he did, and he had uh, had about 12 of those hats made up, and he said, and when I went to pick mine up, he said, you know, I've already sold the rest of them, but I bought one for myself, and I bought one for my friend who served with me on the Lexington. He lives in New York, and I mailed it to him, and uh, we, we talked from time to time, and uh, he never mentioned it. So one day I said, uh, did you get the hat that I sent you? He said, yeah. And I said, well, do you wear it? He said, no, I don't wear it. I said, well, why don't you wear it? He said, well, we really didn't do anything. And that was his words. And the thing is, a lot of times there are people who did not go to war. And you may have the thought, well, I really didn't do anything. But I told him, I said, we did what they asked us to do. We did what they asked us to do. We showed up, and uh, him and I both were uh, honorably discharged. We, we did not, uh, in other words, we didn't shirk our duties. Uh, 
and uh, we finished the four-year obligation that we both had signed up for. And we did what they asked us to do. Because the thing about it is that whatever you did, you did that so that somebody else could do something else. And it's all a part of the team. And you think about people who uh, work on the mass decks and people who work in the kitchens and provide the meals. All of those people are providing a service so that somebody else could do something else that all adds up in the overall realm of the team that provides the mission. On the Lexington, our uh, objective was to train pilots to go to war. And uh, we worked along with VT-4 there in Sherman Field in Pensacola there on, on Main side. And uh, they would bring their pilots over. They were flying the, well, when it first went on, they were flying the old uh, T-28s, which is the old prop jobs. We actually would uh, didn't even use the catapults for those things. We'd, we'd catch it with a, the landing gear, and then we just they just get on one end of the deck and rev it up and take off. And then uh, we went to the T2s, and then we ended up flying the A4s. And uh, like I say, we had uh, people there who were starting out and learning to fly, and they landed on our, our carrier. And then we also serviced uh, – squadrons and things that uh, were in Vietnam, but the uh, flying time was somewhat limited, so they had to keep their flight hours up, so they sent them back to us, and then we were fl- uh, flying the A6s and the A7s, and even had an A3 in there at one time. <laughs> and we did what we were called to do. I served on the, the hangar deck, I worked on the mass decks, and then I became a photographer, and I stood right behind the catapults, filming the uh, airplanes as they uh, would take off. And so, in other words, we did what we were asked to do. And if you were in the military, whatever you did, then you were a part of the team and you served because everything has everything has to happen in order to make it all happen. So thank you for your service, whatever it is that you did. Thank you for your service. And for those who did not come home. Our hearts grieve for those families. And what we're going to do today here on the broadcast, along with a little music, as we always like to do, when it's just uh, just me and you, and uh, we'll, we'll do that in just a minute. But I've got some stories that we're going to tell. Now, these are all of, of veterans uh, and their service. And these stories were given to me, or I, they came from the USO. And so before we get to the story, let me just tell you about my relationship with the USO. Um, We had a USO in Pensacola where I was stationed, never went there. That was downtown, and, uh, of course, in Pensacola, um, I was on the ship, but I was able to buy my own house. So when we were not out at sea, then I was able to go to my little house and and, uh, just didn't really need the services of the USO. But we went to Boston in 1973. We arrived on the 3rd of January, 1973. I've got a picture of the ship covered with ice on it. And also I've got another picture of the ship uh, when it was in dry dock. So anyway, when we 
arrived in Boston. Of course, now uh, we're away from you know where we're normally at Pensacola, and so we were not flying traps. In other words, we weren't going out, and so a little bit more time on your hands. We'd muster in the mornings and sweep the hangar deck, and then we'd say, "You go." And so I found out a real good place to hang out in downtown Boston there on Boylston Street was the USO. And so we'd go down there. And, of course, they had uh, what you would expect. Of course, TVs and, uh, um, you know, when you're uh, on a carrier all the time, you don't watch a whole lot of television because it just isn't there. And so... The televisions, of course, he had the you know, traditional pool tables and ping pong and all that sort of, sort of thing. And it's just places just to sit and talk. But also, this is what I particularly liked. People would call the USO businesses and they would hire us for jobs. And so we would just be there. And they Somebody said, hey, uh, we got this job, uh, day's work or whatever. Anybody want to? Want to go do it? Yeah. And so all the time that I was in Boston, we were there for a little over four months, I never had to use any of my Navy pay because I made enough money off those little jobs in order to be able to to go to McDonald's or whatever. Because when you're on a ship, uh, food's there if you want it. Of course, now if you're hanging out downtown, you're you're not eating at the ship, and so you may want to go down to McDonald's and, and buy a meal, that sort of thing. But we made enough, enough money working at the little delis and uh, just doing all kinds of different little jobs. I remember one time there was they were having some kind of a show down at the some kind of a civic uh, arena, and they had uh, uh, they needed somebody just unpack stuff and put them on the shelves. That was a fun job, and, uh, and people were friendly. They they treat you nice, and of course, it was just something I enjoyed doing. And so, and when I left Boston, I opened up a bank account, and I had enough money saved up to take care of the down payment on the house that I bought when I when I came back to Pensacola. I bought a house, and I had enough money saved up from my four months in Boston there to do the down payment on my house. <laughs> so I appreciate the USO. That's what I'm saying. And so if you ever were inclined to want to support the USO, I would say, hey, do so, because they really do uh, help out us, us veterans. So listen to this story. It says the World War, a World War II veteran in POW, Dan Crowley is finally recognized for his bravery. It had been over 80 years since Sergeant Dan Crowley first enlisted in the Army at the young age of 18. But the World War II veteran and prisoner of war was finally recognized for his service and sacrifice in January of 2021. That's when they uh, they finally recognized him. He was stationed at Nicholas Field in the Philippines before the United States had entered World War II. However, the day after the U.S. declared war on Japan following the attack on Pearl Harbor, Japanese attacked the Philippines and the U.S. Army bases there, including Nicholas Field. Even though Crowley, Sergeant Crowley, who was assigned to an aircraft unit, was not trained in combat, he immediately leaped into action. He and his fellow soldiers improvised using antiquated British machine guns that they had on hand and created a 
powerful air defense. Crowley and the other soldiers who survived the devastating air raid crossed Manila Bay to Peyton Peninsula in the dark of night to avoid Japanese detention, where they joined other U.S. troops and continued the fight. As Japanese forces closed in, Crowley and his fellow soldiers swam through shark-infested waters to avoid capture. But eventually they were found by the enemy and became prisoners of war. So, uh, Sergeant Dan Crowley, and I have a picture of him here. It is a young man in his, in his uniform. It says, for approximately three and a half years, he endured terrible conditions and forced labor in Japanese imprisonment. He was eventually released after Japan's surrender in 1944. And um, a man who, you know, he's young. I mean, I look at this picture, and he's just so young to have to endure such things. He was honorably discharged from the Army in 1946, although the Army promoted him to sergeant in October 1945. Crowley was never notified of the promotion. But that all changed in January 2021 when Crowley was officially promoted to the rank of sergeant and presented with a prisoner of war medal and Army Combat Infantry badge. Crowley was finally recognized for all of his sacrifice at the age of 99 before passing away just a few months later at his home in Simsbury, Connecticut. Listen to this. Courage means to me that when the time came that you are called upon to do the right thing, you did it. And that's the words of Sergeant Crowley. And he just represents just one of the great men and women who have served our nation. It's Ernie Haas, a signature sound. Now, you have to listen to the full meaning of this song. You'll understand it. Because I am a soldier. Standing on the battle lines. Don't know if I'll live or die. I'm a soldier fighting to go home. You see, it, it works both ways. In other words, it works in just talking about the life of a soldier. And it also works in uh, the realm that they're talking about wanting to go home and that we're all soldiers. We're all soldiers of this army as Christian believers and someday we'll walk on streets of gold. So it works either way. <laughs> I like this song and I appreciate Ernie Haas and Signature Sound singing it for us and I appreciate you for tuning in to the gospel on the radio talk show every Sunday morning here at 8 o'clock on 94.1 on your radio dial and if you'd like to call me and then just make any comments that you want to or leave me a message or a text area code 850-567-1703 that's the number to call and uh I always love to hear from the radio audience. I want to remind you that uh, you can find these broadcasts on the podcast. And uh, basically, you type in 
Pastor Jack King, Tallahassee. And uh, it'll come up, and there's all kinds of talk shows there to listen to. And uh, also the daily broadcast. It airs here on 94.1, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock, the Gospel on the Radio broadcast. That's a daily Bible teaching. And you can find that there on the podcast as well. And so it always works real well if you are just driving around town and you just want to tune in. That's fine. That way, if you miss it when it's aired over the air, you can pick it up on your podcast. Or if you're on a journey, going on a trip, I guarantee you that wherever you're going, you're not going to run out of content just by listening to either the talk show or the daily broadcast. There's a lot of it there. So that's an invitation. This is the Memorial Day weekend. And uh, it's just something that I've done ever since I've been doing the talk show a little over 20 years now. And uh, uh, take these occasions, these holidays, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, uh, of course, Christmas and Easter, Thanksgiving sometimes, just uh, pause and just take these occasions to commemorate things. And of course, I am a person who loves America. I'm thankful that I've grown up in this great land. And I'm like a lot of people right now. I have many, many concerns about my country. But I love my country. And um, I'm glad that I was able to serve in the military. And and uh, he asked me, well, would you do it again? I said, yeah, I'd, I'd do it again. Because, well, I, I believe in freedom. And I believe that it's there's a price that has to be paid. And thank God for those who sign up. And here we've been... We've been with the volunteer military for a long time now. That's an amazing thing that people are willing to to sign up. And like I said a little while ago on the broadcast, I said, when I, when I joined up, I had no idea what they were going to do with me. And I could have gone to, to war. and uh, But yet people do it. And I'm, I'm forever amazed at people who who go in battle. And I'm probably talking to some of you out there this morning. You've you've been in battle. You've been in combat. And that is, to me, one of the most amazing things, how somebody can do that, to go into battle with them shooting at you. It's just amazing to me. So here's a story. And again, these have been provided for us by the USO. Army Ranger medic saves lives of fellow soldiers while under fire with blood donations on a hot summer night in Warduck, Providence in Afghanistan. 2019, a Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger raid force began an assault on a compound with enemy targets. As enemy fighters fired back at U.S. forces, and the rangers began to close in on a target. There was a huge explosion, injuring three rangers amidst rounds of machine gun fire, rockets, and grenades. Two ranger combat medics, Army Staff Sergeant Charles Bowen and Army Sergeant uh, Ty Abel, leapt into action to save six American lives that night. 
pulling the critically wounded behind cover from enemy fire, Bowen and Abel quickly began performing advanced surgical techniques and providing rangers with blood infusions with supplies they had on hand. And while the medics stabilized some of the injured, unfortunately, two of the injured rangers were losing blood and fast. Unfortunately, Bowen and Abel had already utilized all of their blood units for other injured service members, knowing that this was a life or death matter. The two medics decided to attempt the Ranger Olo R-O-L-O Titri Protocol, in which a volunteer transfers his or her blood to the injured Ranger on the battlefield with the assistance and equipment from the medics. The procedure at that time was relatively new and had never been done in the middle of combat. But Bowen and Abel and a volunteer blood donor were able to pull it off. As the enemy fire continued to rage overhead, the three worked quickly to transfer large quantities of blood from their volunteer to two injured rangers, effectively saving their lives. Throughout the procedure, and other life-saving techniques, the two medics also continually shielded their patients with their own bodies to prevent further injuries from enemy fire. As the wounded were loaded into a helicopter for evacuation, Abel kept up a steady attack against the enemy to provide them with cover. Bowen and Abel treated a fatal uh, hemorrhage, tree-aged triaged two additional casualties and tended to several other injuries that night. Their calm demeanors under pressure as they worked to save the lives of their fellow soldiers while under fire demonstrated incredible dedication and valor. What an incredible story. And these are just a few of our brave men and women who do incredible things. And here's the thing about it. Where else would you hear that story? Where else would you hear that story? I mean, we need to hear these stories, but we don't hear these stories. We hear negative stories instead. I mean, this story that I've just read to you, I just have a sense that this type of thing goes on all the time. But you and I, we never hear about it. And I think that's sad. God bless. Amen. I say amen to that. God bless the USA. I tell you what, that song's been around for a long time now, and I play it just about every time we have one of these uh, type of shows. But I just appreciate it, and I appreciate Mr. Greenwood for him recording it and singing it, and it means a lot because, well, God bless the United States of America, and uh, God bless those who serve in our military. And not only the military as well, but uh, there are people who put their lives on the line for their fellow citizens all the time. I mean, 
your police and your your firemen and your uh, medics and people who who just do dangerous things. Uh, they risk their lives. And you know, when you're involved in, in those type of things and every time you leave the house, there's questions as to whether or not you're going to be safe that day. And thank God for those of you who are out there and you're serving your fellow man in these type of capacities. We need you and we thank you for what you do. And um, we just appreciate people who serve. Let me take a moment here and tell you about something that's uh, very near and dear to my heart, and that is youth camp. And uh, I talk about it more on the the music show than I do this show. I really haven't mentioned it much on the talk show, because generally when I have a guest in the studio, I don't take time for those type of things, because I want my guest to be able to have as much time as possible to talk about the ministries that they're involved in. But I've been doing youth camp for a long, long time. And uh, uh, I've worked with the uh, Open Bible Churches in the Southeast region and ran their youth camp for, I don't know, 25, 28 years or something like that. And then uh, 10 years ago, I, I stepped out of that and I formed a ministry called Christian Youth Ministries International, or CYMI, and uh, started the youth camp. And this will be our 10th year this year. And just seeing God just do wondrous things. I mean, young lives are touched at a youth camp because you get them away from society. And you can cause them to focus. And we have great speakers. And uh, we also have a lot of fun. And everything we do is intentional at the camp, intended to help them develop in their spiritual life and their spiritual walk. Since July 17 through 21, it's down at the Picket Lake Camp down near Mayo, Florida. And, um, well, I'll tell you what, I would really like for you to send your young people. You can uh, go to Google and just Google CYMI, and uh, yeah, there's all kinds of information there. There's brochures and posters and, and ways to, to uh, register. Or you could just call me and I'll get brochures to you. Area code 850-567-1703. I'm sorry. And we run two camps side by side, junior camp and a senior camp. The junior camp goes from age 8 up to 12. The 12-year-olds can go either way, 12. They go junior or senior camp. The senior camp goes on up through high school. And there's also opportunities there to serve as a uh, counselor or uh, work in a kitchen or something of that nature. Now, uh, to do that type of thing, you have to be recommended by your pastor. That's required. There's a brochure. You have to sign it, that type of thing. It's $150. It's cheap, I'm telling you. That is very, very inexpensive for a week of youth camp. So help me if you would, please. And and if you don't know of young people to send, would you pray? Would you just make that a matter of concentrated prayer, and perhaps you'd like to be involved financially. It, it takes money. The $150 does not cover everything. I'm just telling you. If you want to send a donation, 526 East 8th Avenue, Tallahassee, 32303, or call me. I'll tell you where to send it. Area code 850-567-1703. Thank you for those of you who helped me over the years, you have been a blessing. And uh, 
I tell you what, I love, I just love young people, and I love what we're able to do at something called the Youth Camp. Hey, don't forget to tune in Monday through Friday now for the daily broadcast. That's a daily Bible teaching of the Word of God. 11 o'clock, you'll enjoy it. It'll be a blessing to you. Don't forget those things. As I have said, this is the Memorial Day weekend. I've been reading you some stories of American heroes, people who have put their lives on the line. And here's one of his Army National Guard members step up to support communities uh, uh, during COVID. At the height of the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States in 2020, many Americans we're keeping their distance and avoiding a great deal of human contact to avoid contracting or spreading the deadly virus. The Army National Guard, however, was right there on the front lines. From a COVID-19 testing sites to food banks to COVID-19 spreading, mapping, and working as support medical staff in hospitals, members of the National Guard stepped up to provide crucial services and to support their local communities. Doing so often required them to leave their families behind without knowing when they'd see them again, especially if they were working right on the front lines of the disease. We are interacting directly with individuals that could have the virus at Army Specialist Damon Spurgeon, a member of the Washington Army National Guard. However, despite the long hours, Risk of contacting the virus, time spent apart from loved ones, and all the challenge in between, the National Guard was steadfast in its commitment to serve their local communities across the country during one of the most challenging years in recent history. And that is so true. He says, I love the state, like helping people, and what is a better way than working for the National Guard to do that? Army Sergeant Nico Utridge, a Calvary Scout with the Washington Army National Guard. And I think a lot of times the National Guard doesn't get the, uh, the limelight as some of the other branches of the military, but it's, uh, it's just another part of the, of the puzzle. And uh, this is a very important uh, job and mission. And one of the things about the National Guard is they truly don't know some of the things they're fixing to get into because they they do all kinds of things. Listen to this one. Members of the California National Guard evacuate and rescue hundreds trapped by wildfires. Think about this. We're going from uh, working in the COVID clinics and, and uh, helping during that, that uh, very difficult time in history and now to the California National Guard trapped by wildfires and September 2020, the fifth, then fourth largest wildfire and the largest single-source wildfire in California history blazed to life and burned until the end of December. Four months later, the Creek Fire, as it was called, destroyed hundreds of homes and required the evacuation of hundreds of more residents. Luckily, Thanks to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection and the California National Guard, there was not a single casualty. That's amazing. This is especially impressive given the scale of the fire and the conditions in which National Guard members worked under 
one particular night in September 2020 to save residents trapped by the fire. Says, I received a text about a rescue mission asking if I wanted to go, and I replied, yes. Army Sergeant George Equifala, I'm going to say Esquivale, said, I don't turn down the opportunity to go on rescue missions because it's what we do. National Guard members quickly volunteered to fly in on a Chinook helicopter and a Black Hawk helicopter. Although both crews of the firefighters on the ground were experienced wildfire or with wildfires, the creek fire that night was especially challenging due to limited visibility, extreme heat, and the need for night vision goggles, all during an aerial evacuation of hundreds of residents. One of the soldiers described the scene as uh, apocalyptic. I would imagine. As the flames raged around them and the wind shifted, resulting in unpredictable flight routes, the crews began evacuating groups of residents, 65 or over 100 people at a time. This was quite a feat, as the Black Hawk helicopters they were flying is designed to only carry approximately 30 people. The flight crews intended, are tended to the injuries and families on board while also coordinating perfectly with one another and alternating landings as quickly as possible to get many residents out as possible. In the end, listen to this, the National Guard members rescued 240 people in one night. <laughs> wow. We appreciate the praise that we're getting, but we're not a godsend or special people. We're just ordinary people that did our job says Army Warrant Officer, the second Erwin Hernandez. This is what we do, and we love it. That's our military. That's our National Guard at work. And it makes me proud, and it should make us all proud. This is the Elk Ridge Boys. It's called An American Family. We're all part of the story of an American family. That's right. We're all a part of the story of an American family. And you heard in there how that uh, he'd served in the military. And that's kind of part of the American experience. Uh, most families have someone who's served. I always find it to be interesting. Uh, you know, every year, Veterans Day, um, my family will show pictures of the uh, different ones who have served in the military, my Uncle Jimmy, my Uncle Mike, my brother David, uh, my dad, uh, my Uncle Carl, and uh, all of these who have served, and then there was me. And the picture they've been showing for years of my, is my boot camp picture, and because uh, I'm very young, and because I got the Dixie cap, you know, what they call the Dixie cap, uh, the Navy hat. <laughs> so the other night, I, I, I found a um, it's a book that I had made up of pictures when I was serving on the Lexington, and I, I had a picture there, me and my foul weather jacket and and, and the Dixie Cup, and uh, I'm pretending like I'm unloosening some type of a valve or something. And so I showed it to my wife. I said, oh, next year on Veterans Day, I want to, she sent this out to the family, I want to have them show this picture 
rather than me uh, looking so young. I mean, just right out of, actually, I probably was, uh, probably right out of boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know whether she, she does it. She says, that picture looks staged. And I said, it was. It was. But uh, it's still a good picture. So I don't know whether they will or not. <laughs> anyway, this is the gospel on the radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am commemorating, of course, Memorial Day. Our military, those who have served and those who have uh, lost their lives, who didn't get to come home. And our hearts grieve for the families and uh, the tremendous sacrifice. But again, I want to say, if you are a veteran and you have served in the United States military, and those of you who serve in those very dangerous jobs of firemen and policemen, and uh, um, you're out there in the ambulances and things, thank you so much for what you do. A soldier takes charge during the fall of Cabal. Whether you join with a passion to serve your country, a determination to learn new skills and bettering yourself, or even a desire to travel the world, everyday people join the Army for all sorts of reasons. However, according to a task and purpose interview, U.S. Army Sergeant uh, Brianna Jessup's inspiration for joining the Army was simply that she did not want to reach the end of her life and realize that she had not made an impact. But make an impact, she did. When the 82nd Airborne Division was called to support non-combatant evacuation operations at Hamid Karza International Airport in Kabul, Afghanistan in the fall of 2021, Jessup, a, uh, I'm turning the page here, Jessup, a member of the United States Army's 82nd Airborne Division, assumed the role of non-commissioned officer in charge of the Karzai Airport Chapel. Always putting the well-being of soldiers first, Jessup used her ingenuity to ensure 4,000 U.S. military personnel and coalition forces had access to basic hygiene items when resources were limited or non-existent. Notably, at the height of the mission, Jessup also developed phenomenal leadership to oversee the operations of makeshift orphanage, which had been recently formed due to the increased number of unaccompanied minors following the events in Afghanistan. She led the mission to, to assist in caring for all children in the Army who ranged from ages 7 days old to 17 years old. She ensured the protection of over 400 displaced children who were safeguarded throughout or evacuation operations and enemy attacks. However, she not only protected the well-being of these children, but also protected their dignity as human beings. Jessup displayed devotion and selfless, or selfless leadership under duress during the high-pressure and dangerous fall of Kabul in 2021. 
carrying out military operations as well as humanitarian efforts, her work left an indelible mark on the evacuation mission of American citizens and designated Afghans going above and beyond the mission at hand. And as a result, she was recognized as the USO 2021 Soldier of the Year. When asked about her efforts in Cabal, Jessup simply said, I was just taking care of people. That's our United States military. Another story that I assure you, more than likely, you've never heard before. We want to do all we can to make our country great. And yet we pray passionately that we may faithfully live lives that testify to God's greatness and reflect His glory. who have served in the United States military and, of course, uh, merchant marines and, as I've said, the uh, people who serve us here in the homeland. We appreciate you. We appreciate our veterans, and uh, we love America. And we pray that this great nation would always be a nation who honors God and uh, I pray that there would just be a spiritual move of God across our country, that we would be a God who truly believes that in God we trust. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for this opportunity just to display patriotism and the love of country. Father, I do pray for America. I pray for each and every one. And I pray for this radio audience that God, that you would bless them. And for our churches today, Lord, that we would have great services, great messages come forth. The Holy Spirit would move throughout these congregations. And Father God, we pray for peace, for peace around the world and peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next Sunday morning. May the Lord bless you.